Good evening, everybody. We are at our 50th Q&A. 50 weeks. That's been a long, long time. It's almost an year. So we welcome you once again this uh, 16th of January. And as we go to the questions, we have the usual troubling questions. But we look to the Lord, the Lord of all comfort, as Apostle Paul calls him. In Second Corinthians, the whole Lord of all comfort will comfort us through all our situations. But before we go to the queue of questions, we ask for wisdom to answer it, but we will look to the Lord in prayer. Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this evening that you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord. Father, for every opportunity that you've come, that you've given us in all these days, especially through these days of pandemic, O oh Lord. Father, you've given us opportunities to learn from your word, to learn of you. Thank you, thank you, Father, once again for this session. Father, even as we, Father, go through all these questions, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us, anoint your servant, and anoint all of us. Father, and Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would speak to each heart, O Lord, Father. You know the questions that your people have, that you will not just answer the question, you will answer the questioner as well. Touch every one of us, O Lord, Father, and strengthen us in our faith and in our resolve that we will not, Father, give up, but we will stand fast and hold fast, Father, to the promises that you've given to us, O Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint this entire session. Be with us, be with the sound system, be with the internet. Father, we come against every principality and power of darkness that is trying to thwart your work, even during this time of transmission, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would release this time for the glory of God. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's So, uh, we'll start with question number six. Uh, Pastor, says... Six. We are all under a lot of pressure. We have to learn to pray more. Your wife can pray anytime, anywhere. How come? You pray yes, you are more a preacher prayer. We want to learn from both of you. Did you go to school to learn how to pray? Or, the, or is it the Holy Spirit in you? Teaches both of you to pray. Spiritually, you guys are so gifted, anointed, and filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Explain how you get that. Please, Pastor James and wife. First, I went through two schools. <laughs> <laughs> the first school I went through is called the School of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The second school is called the School of Hard Knocks of Life. <laughs> And you need both. Mm. When you go through hard knocks of life, you either pray or, or perish. A prayer book won't help you. Any prayer you learned in church won't help you. You will learn to pray from your heart. Mm. And God helps you. Book of Corinthians, sorry, Romans chapter f- 5. Let's go there. 27 if I'm right. Twenty-seven, twenty. Oh, eight, no. The Holy Spirit again brought my wrong Bible. Okay, Romans chapter eight was twenty-seven. Eight, eight twenty-seven, not five. Eight twenty-seven, yeah. Eight twenty-seven. Now he who searches, uh, actually, go to verse twenty-six. We ourselves do not know how to pray. No. Likewise, the spe- yeah, it's vibrating, Sammy. Maybe not on your headphone, but I can feel it, the speaker. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Mm. Okay, now he searches. So that's where the actual prayer comes. And Paul will talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, about praying with understanding. But there's a limit to understanding. Like, we do not know about our tomorrows. And when you are in a real, real tight situation, you actually do not know what the outcome is. You do not really know what to pray for. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes. And prayer, (laughs) both the word and the prayer, are both Holy Spirit activities. Mm. And we just have to release ourselves to that. And your prayer life is actually not framed in your public life it is framed in your private life it's framed in your private life and uh, the book of jude talks about prayer and it says in uh, jude verse 20 if i'm right building yourself building yourself up yes yeah yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit okay that that's basically what Change not that we are anywhere close to where we should be, but ultimately, that's where it comes. Your prayer life changes if you don't bring the Holy Spirit into it consciously, not uh, like you know suddenly remembering. If you do not bring the Spirit of God, Spirit of God. I mean, I'm telling you, He He is there with us. Honestly, He's there with us. Our biggest problem is that. We don't get him involved in even in the minute details of our life where he is willing. Hmm. Minute details of our life where he is willing. And I've seen it happening practically every day. Like I could come and sit here. Okay, come and sit here. And suddenly I feel the Spirit of God saying, go back to your house. And I go back to my office the other side and I realize I didn't lock the front door. And I would have been here for three hours with the door. The lock hadn't been locked. Or I go back that he says, go back. And I go back and says, I didn't last the back door. Okay, he will tell you. I wake up at 2.10 and I say, Lord, I want to sleep till 3.30, but not a minute more. And exactly at 3.30, my eyes open. Because I say, don't set the alarm because Ma will wake up. So I don't set an alarm. I wake up without an alarm so that she doesn't wake up. And we think, oh, he's so big, he will not. But you have to think as a child thinks about his father. A child does not think a father is too big to get involved in their personal lives. Amen. You know? So um, that is what we are talking about, prayer. Then when the big things come, because he was involved in the small things of life, the big things become very easy because you realize, you know what? He is there actually with you for everything. The only thing that is stopping him is you. Hmm. you. He's not uh, stopping himself from helping us through it all. He's like a father, like a child. And it doesn't matter how old you grow and how uh, it's a verse in Isaiah, hoary hairs. From from your... Yeah, that is uh, Isaiah. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. And I like it when my hair is white. No, I'm not sure. Did we get it? Yeah, it's 46.4. I say 46.4. Look at it. No, This is the Holy Spirit who will carry us through. Even to your old age, I am He. Even to gray hairs, I will carry you. 
Hmm. Think about it. I will carry you. What does it mean? I will carry. I mean, does you do you need at fifty, sixty somebody to carry you? No. But personally, if you are loving the Holy Spirit to come into your life, He's carrying you through every situation. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. And what is He actually? T- all these things the prophets talked about in the Holy in the Old Testament, they spoke as the Holy Spirit moved in them. But it is only relevant to us in the new covenant. Yes. They did not have the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit was not with them all the time. But we are born of the Spirit and He has given us the Spirit. Our major issue in life is that we do not involve the Holy Spirit into our day-to-day lives. Hmm. And He is there willing to get involved even in our minutest things. Yes. And suddenly you realize as you go through that, the situation gets worse and worse and worse because that's how the world is tottering to. But you realize it doesn't shake you because it's truly, truly your uh, companion, your guide. I mean, we are not denigrating him anything, but we are denigrating by not involving him. That is a fact. I mean, imagine uh, like, you know, like God says, when you are in trials, what should you ask for? Wisdom. Wisdom. And who gives the wisdom? He is the spirit of wisdom. Everything is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, He is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of knowledge. He is the spirit of power. He is the spirit of everything. But again, the problem is we try to ask for wisdom without the spirit. Because we still want autonomy to make our choices. Mm-hmm. Okay, Autonomy of choices. And that's where you look into Jesus' life and you learn he's the pattern for us. You look into Jesus' life. He doesn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. And he's very content doing only what the Holy Spirit wants him to do. Mm. I mean, we with his kind of power and anointing would want to run around all around the world, but he doesn't go. He sticks around a few towns, Galilee, and he's cool. He's good about it because the Holy Spirit restrained him. And he went over there. Paul also, you will see, so many times in his zeal he wanted to run. Block. Holy mm. Spirit blocked him, blocked him, blocked him, blocked him. And then a dream from Macedonia turns all around and goes in another way. You know, But he was. We would allow the Holy Spirit to constrain him and to restrain him, you know. And and that's that's where our prayer life changes. And uh, that's where Ma also comes through. She prays through it all. We pray through the night, morning, we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. We wake up praying, go to sleep praying, because we know the times are like that. As each day goes by, we know we need more of him, not less of him. Mm-hmm. No, we do not know what's what's coming. But we are not afraid of what is coming. Where does it come from? Is it from the knowledge of the word of God? No. Mm. It's not that. It is the presence of that God. It's not the knowledge of the word of God. What gave Paul his courage when he was taken to court? He says, it is not the knowledge of the word of God. It is the presence of the word of God. The presence of God was there beside me and he says, strengthen me. You read Second Timothy chapter 4. And what is that presence? It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is not a doctrine. The sad part is half the church or more than half the church has made him into a doctrine or treat him like a power, which is this is all power. But he's not a doctrine. He has power. He's a person. Mm. And you have to look at what the beautiful words Jesus says. And that's what changes your, your life. And you're able to go through crisis. You're able to handle situations because of him. <clears throat> John chapter 14, verse 17 and 18. And 18 is very powerful. 
<coughs> the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and is in you. And look at verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. And the problem is one of the major problem in the church is the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit. People who are born again live like orphans. And God has said, what is an orphan who doesn't have his father or his parent with him or with her? That's an orphan. And God says, you know what? I will not leave you orphans. I am going to come and I'm going to be in you, with you, all the days of your life. And then when you flip over to the other side, I'll be physically present for you. The Father himself will dwell. So that's what Jesus said. And if you look at what Jesus is talking to his disciples, once he called them, till the day he was arrested, he had allowed nothing to touch them. Mm. He was a father to them. And he says, I will go, but I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So who is the one who came? It is the Spirit of Christ himself. The very Holy Spirit which was in Jesus Christ is the one who came. So it is the same, identical, two different, but identical person. The same characteristic of Jesus. So we don't have to look up for Jesus where you are. He's right in us, the Spirit of God. That changes your prayer life. And if the Holy Spirit is not involved in our prayer life and in everything in our life, we will struggle. And we can't blame God. <laughs> this little guy with a money full of a bank full of money, uh, starving, you know, starving. The Holy Spirit is given to us for that purpose. Yes, Pastor Richard. Pastor, I think it it's naturally renders itself into question number two. You say, "Don't be afraid." You say, "Be prepared." You say, "Stay calm." You're the only man I know that is calm, cool, and collective. No other man have I met in my life that can say. Say that. All your messages are on faith. But yes, we fail. Why? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the, that uh, question and that goes on together. The thing is, it comes, again, it's got to do with faith. Okay, You cannot, uh, when we go to Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? You cannot flip back and forth. We cannot flip back and forth. The issue with, I mean, it's a process. We learn, okay? We learn, we keep growing. But you cannot flip back and forth. Like, I walk by faith, I walk by sight, I walk by faith, I walk by sight. We are not talking about walking by sight in the sense of uh, shut your eyes, walk by faith. We are not talking about that. There are a lot of things which we use are physical senses, but we are not talking about that at all. When we are talking about walking by faith, which is talking by the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, both is there. The Word of God is there and the leading of the Holy Spirit is there. Both has to be there. You cannot, if you are only one, the Word of God alone, you are just a good Christian. You are not walking by faith. You're not walking by faith. But the leading of the Holy Spirit has to be there. And when the leading of the Holy Spirit, like like I tell you about it, right from the beginning when it came to this election, I said, I do not know. But I'm believing, looking at all of it, that God will have mercy on U.S. and President Trump will get. Unlike the other prophets, I'm not questioning any of the prophets or any of them. Maybe they heard very clearly four more years. And now we do not know what's happening. But I was very clear that I'm not sure. But I'm looking at it all, and I see a movement taking place, and I'm believing, Lord, four years was a reprieve, a reprieve. 
But will it go into four more years? We are asking for mercy. For what? Not for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the church. The church in America is not at all prepared for persecution. Like the church in India is not at all prepared for persecution. There is some, that is where you talk about when in the, in this question, which is asked about them. You're the only man that I know that comes is not to have met men and people who are much calmer and strong. But the question is, that is a, that is connected with preparation. You don't prepare like we have our, uh, Apu who is carrying, okay. Now she's preparing for something. It's a constant process for something that will happen at the end of nine months. He's preparing for something. And then post nine months, you're preparing for something else. Your house is going to change. A lot of, lot of married people are not preparing in their heads when the baby comes. When the baby comes, suddenly, oh, my life has changed. I don't know how to handle it because you have not prepared in your head. You already factored all these things because you have heard, you have seen, you have read that the child is going to take your time, your energy, sleeping habits. All these things are going to change around. Suddenly, the baby will be the big boss in the house because your attention has to be given to that because totally helpless. And the child is... So all these things are fixed in your mind. You prepare for something. And Jesus has said something, if I'm right, it is in John... 1633, in this world you will have trouble. 16th, oh, I'm getting it, Master Vijay, without my Bible. Okay? These things have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. The minute he said that in this world you will have tribulation, you have to prepare for tribulation. See, there is a great tribulation and there is tribulation. The great tribulation, if God doesn't shorten the time, nobody will be spared. Everybody will die. All the believers will be died. But tribulation has been there from the day, from the beginning till the end, there is tribulation. So Jesus has made it very clear. In the world you will have tribulation. But he also says, in me you will have peace. So it's very clear. The only way I can have peace, only way I can be calm, only way I can handle my situation is in him. That is faith. What is by walk by faith? You walk in him. You walk, your life is hidden in him. You walk in him. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we also see that the world is overcome. He has overcome the world, therefore I can overcome the world. So 1 John 5, will, 4 will say, how do you overcome the world? Where is the tribulation? In this world. How do you overcome this world? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It doesn't say maybe, will be. It says it overcomes the world. But how do you overcome? This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. You know, our faith. And we have to go back into the promises. Okay? Now, I will tell you this. There are issues here. Okay? You cannot, you cannot be positionally righteous and functionally a sinner. You're getting it? That's, that's how Christians try to live. Okay? Positionally righteous, functionally unrighteous. Okay? If you go to Romans chapter 1, and verse 17, okay, for in it, that's the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, just shall live by faith. So what does it mean? I have to be positionally righteous, which is a gift, and I have to be functionally righteous. And the only way I can be functionally righteous is not by keeping the law, is walking by faith. Keeping, you can keep the Ten Commandments and still be unrighteous in God's sight. 
it's only one way. Again, go to Romans 14, 23 or 28? 23, 14, 23. He who condemned doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay, now you, you wouldn't believe it right now. Ten minutes ago, I text my wife. What did I text my wife? Eat very little food. Because I heard you eat less dinner. I love my dinner. Because I don't hardly eat breakfast and lunch. So I love my dinner. I heard eat less tonight. So I text her, eat less dinner. Because now if I eat after hearing what I'm doing, I'm moving into a realm of unrighteousness because I heard and did not believe. Heard and didn't. I just could bring you a small little thing. It's a very small little thing. Okay, it's a very small little thing. It's not a big thing, it's a very small thing. But what does God say? If he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. So sin for the believer is a completely different thing. Are you doing it by faith? Or are you not going by sight? And then if you fall, if you don't repent, again you are not walking by faith. Oh, I cannot do, I will get better and come back to church. God says no. Again, you are going against it. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. 1 John 2, 1 says, right? It says, I write to you that you do not sin. I write to you. So you, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate. And people always think when they sin that Jesus is the accuser. He's not the accuser, he's the advocate. But how did we get into our head that Jesus is the accuser? Jesus is not the accuser, he's the advocate. Meaning go back to him and say, Father, I fell. Lord, I fell. Okay, I fell. And Jesus says, yes, Lord. He fell. And I am standing for him. And he says, it's the blood of Jesus. So everywhere you will see, there's only one way of walking. It is the walking of by faith. And when you walk by faith, you know what? It strengthens you. And second thing I'll tell you about strengthening, which is very, very important, which is right in our hands, but we do not do it. Again, go back to First Corinthians chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 4. First Corinthians chapter 4, 14 and verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. So tomorrow, when I preach, I'll be edifying the church. But I have to be very, very clear. I'm not entertaining people. I'm not telling them about the world or things. I have to stay on to the word of God and give to them what the Spirit is showing me. So I edify the church. But how do I edify myself? With the word, one thing, yes. But personally, other than the word, what has God given us? is just praying in the Spirit. And the more you pray in the Spirit, the more you get strong inside. And you do it all the time. And when the trouble comes, you are able to face it because you are strong inside. Okay, Facing trouble or tribulation, you need strength inside you need strength inside. That's why all the apostles who ran away after the day of Pentecost, they're standing there before and preaching. They're not afraid. The Sanhedrin, they give them right, left and left from scripture and they get beaten up. They're not bothered. You know what happened? Something had happened inside. And they are praying continuously in the spirit. And that's why in Acts chapter 6, we say we'll not be distracted by the issues. We'll get people. Go back to Acts chapter 6. And there is a situation there. Right? Go to the beginning. 
again, it looks like a small situation. In those days, when the number of disciples were multiplying, there rose a complaint against Hebrews by the Hellenists, that is Greeks, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. There were lots of widows, and widows in those days were terrible. They had nobody to take care of them, so the church used to take care of the believing widows among them who did not have family. And in the distribution of food, there was an issue. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good. The twelve uh, summoned the multitude of the disciples said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. The key was that they should be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Why? Verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. To put the order that way. We will pray in the Spirit, we will pray continually and then go out and prophesy. It's not that we will go preach the word of God and then come back home and pray, Lord, I hope people listen and understand something. And He said, no, we will pray first. We will pray first. And this is the life that God has ordained for all of us. There's no other way. And in both of it, it is the Holy Spirit comes in. And we follow the pattern set by God. You know what happens? We without ourselves realizing it, we are strong. And what God does, God allows the trials, the testings, the troubles to increase. And it is increasing not because of anything that you are doing, it is increasing because God is putting burden on your shoulders. So you are able to carry. Able to carry that burden. God is always looking for somebody whose heart is stayed on him so that he can put burdens. And the stronger you are, the more weight you are able to bear. The weaker you are, God puts very little weight because God is a father. He knows if I put this weight on this man or woman, they will break. But that is not an excuse because God says you can be strong enough to bear. Look at Daniel in the dispensation. He's bearing the whole weight of the remnant church. It's on his shoulders and he's able to wear it. He's able to fast. He's able to study the word. He's able to hear, get the answer, prepare Israel to go back. He's able to bear it. Nehemiah is able to bear it. They're all bearing their weight of that. A shepherd by like David is able to bear the weight of a kingdom. You look at it. This is a man who took care of sheep. Then he took care of 600 men. Now the nation is on his shoulders. How did he wear the weight? Because of the way God took him through. You know, and we all have to ask that and say, Lord, prepare me, Lord. We are there. Don't try to do. My thing is that don't try to do without God. Don't try to do without God. Because if you do without God, it will not work. And the problem is, like in the first question answer, we keep the Spirit of God out. Our major problem within the church is either he is a doctrine or he is power. He is not a person. And there is churches where they have, he is not a person at all. He is not a person at all. And they will go to Deuteronomy and say, the Shama, hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one. So the Holy Spirit is not a person. They don't accept him as a person. Then there are others who accept him as a person, but he is not daily involved in your life. Then others, he is just the power of God. It is not true. There are three people in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the age of grace is the age of the Holy Spirit. It is the age of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who does it, everything. And we don't get him involved in our life. And we have the autonomy to choose. He gives us the freedom. You can choose. You can say no or we can say yes. The more we say yes, then suddenly we realize, you know what, we are satisfied. 
We are content. And he keeps leading us through it all. And he strengthens us as his eventuality comes. He doesn't. That's what Jesus said. You don't worry. You'll be taken to courts and you don't worry. If the Spirit of God is with you, when the time comes, he will tell you exactly what to say. You don't have to worry. And they knew exactly. A person like Stephen could be picked up, brought before the Sanhedrin. He gives them an entire discourse on the Old Testament. And we learn things from Stephen's speech which we did not see in the Old Testament. Where did he get this from? And we know it is true because the Holy Spirit is speaking through him and it is recorded as scripture. And the funny thing, it is written by another man who was not there, whose name is Luke. He's not there when Stephen is. So how did he know what Stephen spoke? Because the Holy Spirit is telling this is what he spoke there. Everywhere the Holy Spirit is involved. Luke is not a first-hand witness of these events. He's not standing in the council with the Sanhedrin and sitting and writing and calling. You're not even allowed in all that. But how did he get this? Because Stephen is dead. By the end of the speech, he's dead. So who recorded his speech? Who spoke about it? How did Luke get the exact words? Because the same Holy Spirit who spoke through Stephen is speaking to Luke, inscribing it through the hands of Luke for us. So do you know how much we are missing out by not getting the Holy Spirit involved into our lives? And that's the key. And he's a person, but the word of God. Be very, very careful because the devil can fool you. That's why we have to be absolutely rooted on the word of God so that the devil does not fool you by speaking like the Holy Spirit and taking you out. So you need both the word and the spirit. The word is my protection that I am not going off the boundaries that is set. And the Spirit is my guide. And we need both. Yes, Pastor Vijay, that was like a sermon. This one? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Pastor, now the questions related to the elections. Oh, elections are still questions are coming, yes, I know. Why do the wicked get away with so much? They have been getting away from the time of Cain. <laughs> There's nothing new. They have stolen the elections. They have done the country harm. They have the Chinese trying to take over and the innocence of the Jews. Why will not God put the wicked to shame? Yes. It went? Okay. Yeah, you'll have to read yeah. the question again. Why do the wicked get away with so much? They have stolen the elections. They have done the country harm. They have the Chinese trying to take over. But the innocent suffer through this. Why will God not put the wicked to shame? Okay, let me put it across this way. Like we do not know the final end of it all. Those are in God's hands. But you need to realize, like like I said, mm, we sometimes confuse, like I said, we sometimes confuse America and Christianity. Hmm. Western civilization and Christianity. Much of Western civilization is a result of the Greek and the Roman thought. Yes. yes. And then there is Judeo-Christian values. Yeah. Okay. So when we are praying, we are praying for mercy, if you have noticed, for us. Why are we asking for mercy? Because America is going exactly the way Israel went down and Judah went down. They are going down that route. When they are asking for four more years of President Trump, they are not talking about holiness. They are not talking about righteousness. They are not talking about sanctification. They are talking about preserving the American lifestyle. Okay? Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Mm. Maybe I should preach on that one of these days. Chapter 3. 
Actually, for everyone who is worried about this, you have to read the whole chapter of Isaiah chapter 3 and you will see what is happening with con- countries, with nations which are Christian in heritage. Like Israel was God's heritage. Every nation that was God's nation by heritage, if you go away from God, this is what will happen to you. What happened to Israel and happened to Judah. For the Lord, the Lord of hosts, takes, verse 1 onwards, okay, takes away from Jerusalem and Judah the stock and the store, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and honorable man, the counselor and the skillful artisan, the expert enchanter. I will give children to be their princes. What does it mean? Children, immature. flesh. What is so this thing about immature, Children. fleshly people who walk? What is to be? We like babies as babies, but if babies grow up as adults and remain as babies, we don't like them. We don't like them. I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. The people will be oppressed, everyone by another, everyone by neighbor. The child will be insolent towards the elder and the base towards the honorable. Hmm. When a man takes hold of his brother in the house of his father saying, you have clothing, you be our ruler. Let these ruins be under your power. In that day, he will protest saying, I can't cure your ills. For in my house is neither food nor clothing. Do not make me a ruler of the people. Meaning what is happening? When the economic collapse happens, nobody has a solution. Hmm. Nobody, everybody is saying this just government handouts. A country that was so proud about individuality, liberty, thrift, hard work is now living on government handouts. God says you will go down that way. You know why? I'll tell you the reason. For Jerusalem stumbled and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. Hmm. He says, he says, you mean you can kill 60 million babies and call it choice? You can call murder as choice? You can legalize homosexuality and homosexual marriages and have it conducted in my houses, which are called to be a house of prayer and a house of holiness. And you can have gay clergy sitting everywhere and uh, people sitting in the parliaments, the Congress, and passing laws which are up. He says you can do all these things. Look at what he says. They look at their countenance. The look on their countenance witnesses against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it. Is America hiding anything? No. Hmm. They're going even more woke now. They don't want even to use the terms father and mother. Because God is a father. So what do you God call now? Our parent who is in heaven? How are you going to say the Lord's prayer? What is this nation talking about? This nation propagated the gospel for the past 200, 250 years, told, taught the whole earth to say our Father who art is in heaven. Now they are passing a law saying that you cannot use gender pronouns like father and mother, brother and sister. What are we in the church, brothers and sisters? What are we now? Who is God now? What is his gender? You know what God is saying? And they do not hide it. Woe to their soul. They have brought evil upon themselves. This is the situation. And the entire class, you read the whole chapter, is judgment after judgment after judgment after judgment after judgment. And one words of consolation. You know what the verse says? Verse 10. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. To the righteous, he says, you don't worry. You don't worry. 
You stay righteous. You walk by faith. I will take care of you. I will protect you. Oh, and the verse 11, judgment to the others. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with them. For the reward of his hand shall be given him. You get it? There's only one word in that entire chapter. I say chapter 3, which is 26 verses. One word of consolation. The rest is all judgment. You know what God says? You righteous, you continue to walk by faith. You don't worry. I got you. I'll handle you. I'll keep my hand over you. Okay. So we need to ask what is happening. We are seeing it all in the very temporary physical realm. We are not seeing the spiritual reality. See, India cannot mock Jesus. America can. India's Christian population is only 2.3% of 1.2 billion people. We cannot mock Christ. U.S. can mock Christ. U.S. can mock the living God because they've been, their constitution was framed on the Bible. And they're mocking God. And God says, you know what? I gave you four years. I gave you a reprieve. Did you appreciate it? No. More than half the church was against that man. Hmm. Because of his tweets and not looking at every platform of what he was trying to do, agreed with what the word of God stood for. But did you like him? No, you didn't like him. Did he do you any harm to the church? No. It's the church simply have to ask his name. Did he do any harm to the church? No, he did not do any harm to the church. He actually really, really helped the church. He is the one who passed the executive order saying that only in the rarest of, because he cannot turn it because it's a constitutional amendment, Johnson amendment, he cannot overturn it, but he passed an executive order that it should not be used against the churches. He did it. He's the only president who did it. Don't go after the churches using the IRS. Because during Obama's reign, they went after the conservatives and the churches. Anybody who opposed them, they uses IRS, like the government here does, uses the CBI and IT department to go after their rivals. They also did it. Did the church appreciate it? No, the church did not appreciate it. So what do we pray? Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. And the remnant who are walking by faith, God says, I got you. You don't worry. I got you. I'll cover you. And continue to pray for mercy. Hmm. So we are praying for mercy. The Holy Spirit will sweep. What is the real change that can come? It's not a presidency. A presidency is limited to eight years maximum. And after that, what will change is America has to repent. You can prophesy till your face is red in the face. But if you don't repent, no prophecy will come to pass. The first word of the gospel is repent. For the kingdom of God is here. If we are trying to bring about change using the hand, the name, and the power of God without repentance, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. You can have the greatest prophets prophesying over you, laying hands over you, doing all these things, but if a man does not repent, Jesus says, you too will perish like those yes, nations. Yes, yes. And that is that one word America doesn't want to hear. Repent. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. And no nation wants to hear. Repent. Therefore, they have no solution for the pestilences that are coming. Has anybody a solution? No. Why is there no solution? Because that one word, what did Jesus, God say in Chronicles 7? When if these my, pestilences, these things come, if my people who are called by name, right? If they humble themselves and they turn, they repent, then I will heal the land. Yes. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, 
and forgive their sin and heal the land. You know, before the land can be healed, I need forgiveness for my sins. Yes. Now we say, no, heal the land, heal the land, heal the land. God says, I cannot. I don't change my ways. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I want to heal the land. I want to give you four more years. I want to give you eight years. I want to give you 12 years. I want to give you 40 years. That's God's desire. All his thoughts towards are good. But what we are trying to do is, we are trying to twist his arm. Mm. Twist his arm. And God says, I don't do that. So what do we pray? We are praying, Lord, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of holiness, move across us, our lives. Amen. And change us from within. Because repentance is a very powerful word. When you repent, things start happening. Then the power of God, the healing power of God comes into our lives. And he starts healing us, healing homes, healing churches, healing nations. And we tried without that one word, it will not work. But the first word that is preached in the gospel is repent for the kingdom of God is here. What should we do? Repent. Hmm. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot believe in the Lord Jesus Christ without repenting. Hmm. You cannot. Then you are not, you haven't really believed. So we have to repent. The nation has to repent from his ways. People have to repent. You know, what we did is wrong. I'm not talking about America, which is not part of the church. I'm part talking to the church. We don't talk to the nation which doesn't go to church. We talk to the part of the nation that goes to church. You're a church, then you belong to Christ. Or at least you have taken the name of Christ, and this is it. So you cannot say in one thing with the Bible and another thing saying that, no, we have to go by what the people say. No, you have to go by what God says. And if you cannot do what God says, resign. Get out of the Congress. Get out of the Senate. Why do you want to put your soul at risk? says, I will not. I will fight for it. I will stand against this. You have to take a stand like Daniel and all took a stand. In a court, they took a stand. They were not taking a stand in the streets. They were taking in the courts of power. We will not do it. Daniel's three friends said, we will not do it. We will not bend our knee before any other God. And America's politicians, all compromised pastors, clergy, bishops, have been bending every knee hmm. to the mob. And what are they asking for? We are like Sodom. That's what it says. No, I said three. Yes. Look at that. Ten. Yeah, well, verse nine. nine yeah. Look at it. I see three verse nine. <coughs> The look on their countenance witnesses again. He says, look at their face. Is anybody ashamed? Oh. It's defiance. It's defiance. Look at your, look at their face. We're not talking about the face of the people other, in other nations or other religions. We're talking about Christians here. Look at their countenance. Witnesses against them. They declared their sin as Sodom. What does it mean? Sodom was open, openly celebrating their homosexuality and their depravity. Openly celebrating it. And they are declared their sin as Sodom. And who is he talking to? Israel. He says there's no difference between Israel and Sodom now. And you know what? After that, where are they going? They've gone into captivity. You know why they went into captivity? Because they were not ashamed. Not only ashamed, now they were proudly declaring, I am homo, I am bisexual, I am transgender. They're very proud about all these things. There's no guilt, no shame, nothing. They're very proud about it. And if you don't agree to them, the ones who are Righteous are being cancelled. They are being attacked. It's become like Sodom and Gomorrah. But God says to the righteous, shall be well with you. You don't worry about it. I got my hand on you. I'll protect you. I'll keep you. And if you're persecuted for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Great shall be your reward in heaven. That's how you look at the whole situation. But we still pray. We keep praying, God, you're going to do something. I don't know what it is because it's a church that is crying out day and night. Meaning, 
the church outside us is crying for us more than us is crying for itself you know why because they know if they fall what will happen see hong kong is gone you know why hong kong hong kong went because of this election number third after they knew the election was stolen china cracked down on hong kong they arrested all of them they all gone hong kong more. next they are eyeing taiwan next they are eyeing taiwan who is there to stop them there's only one first president trump so number third the actual result was Trump has won for a landslide. They wouldn't have tried anything with Hong Kong. They wouldn't have tried anything with Taiwan. They wouldn't do anything. Even here, governments would be careful about how they deal with the minorities. You know what? Because he is tough. He knows. Dispensation. He knows how to. Now, what are they doing? Joe Biden, bought, sold by China. What is he going to do? He's going to do nothing. He'll say, we will negotiate and go back to the old ways. They're not going to stop anybody. And that's what God is talking about. You know, that's why the rest of the world, the suffering church, it was praying constantly for America, that America should not fall, and President Trump should get a second term, because he had our back. He had our back. At least, whatever he could do, he would do it to help the church, and to protect the lives of the unborn babies. He was gung-ho about it. Gung-ho about it. And that's what the, what the Word of God is talking about. What did the church do? And that's where the issue comes. Why will not God put the wicked to shame? He will. There is a day of incredible shame coming. He will put, but it's not now. It's a day and a time God has said. The problem is that we are trying to uh, fast forward uh, the day of judgment. Nobody can. That day is decided by God. That's a day set by God. The day the Son of Man will appear, no man knows. So we cannot say, Lord, 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 God says even the souls in heaven are crying. How long? God says, some more time. What are we waiting? Some more people have to die and come. Have to be martyred and come. So you wait. So we have to wait. Pastor, I think question number eight will be appropriate again. Um, why do we have to tolerate the wicked people in authority? They don't mean us well. They want us dead. Why should we respect those who do not deserve respect? We do not respect them. We respect the office. Hmm. Okay. We may despise the person sitting over there. We despise their policies. What we respect the office. And what America did was they despised the office of the presidency. They made a mockery of that office for the past four years. America did. Their media, all of them, by the terms, the names, the vilification of their president. And the whole world was wandering around, watching and seeing what is happening over here. Who talks like this about your own president? The language, this thing. You know what happened? By doing it, they denigrated that office. Now, the, whichever the next president comes, it's, you know what, he he was sick, of men. Exactly. It is the basest of men. Mm-hmm. Is this is what you want? I will give you exactly what you want. The mm-hmm. basest of men. People ask for a king, he gave them salt. You want tall and handsome? I'll give you tall and handsome. Hmm? You want short and uh, holy? I will give you that. That's David. Tall and handsome is solid. What you want, I will give it to you. I give you the freedom to choose your leaders. If that is what you want, this is what you will get. Hmm? And that's what's happening over here. So we respect the office. And we pray. We pray. Our power is prayer. And we, we are not praying against people. We are praying against the power structure that feeds them. And you break that power structure, even people change. Even people change. Either they will be taken out by God because they cannot survive without the power, or they change. 
So that's why the Bible says we do not fight flesh and blood. We fight powers of darkness. That is why we are against sorcerers and sorcery. Because you cut the sorcerer and the sorceries of all these leaders lose their power. They will not be able to function. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So they need sorcery. And the one who has the Holy Spirit does not need sorcery. They don't need sorcery. Okay, so there is the two things. So what do we do? We pray that righteous leaders will be filled with the Holy Spirit and sorcery will be cut off. What happens when sorcery is cut off? It is cutting off the pipeline that feeds into these evil rulers. Mm. And then they start shaking because they cannot work without sorcery. Mm. They need that, that power because that's how it works. Power structure works like that. Like It's like economics. If the economics goes down, the nation starts shaking. And in the same way, you either need the Holy Spirit. I'm saying if you're in a position of authority, you cannot have authority without Without power. power. It simply won't work. You have authority, you need Mm. power. Like Title-wise, every president is the same. He's a president. But all presidents are not the same because he doesn't have the power to back. Why do we call the president of America the most powerful person on earth? It's because of the military might first and second, the economic might. Because Not numbers. Numbers is there are countries which are bigger than U.S. China is bigger. India is bigger. There are other countries also bigger than U.S. In America comes only fourth or fifth, if mm-hmm. I'm right, population. Yes. Right? So that is not their strength. It's not numbers. Their strength is military and economic. So you have authority. And he had these two powers, so he's the most powerful president in the whole world. In the same way, when you have in positions of authority, you need power. Where does power come from? Where does power come from? Why did Saul lose? And why did David win? Saul had authority, but he lost his power. The Bible says the Holy Spirit left him. And in the day of crisis, he's running to witchcraft. Hmm. But there is no witches there. Hmm. And nobody is able to help him. So nobody is able. He has neither Holy Spirit nor sorcery to help him. So what happened? He got killed. But David always had the Holy Spirit with him. Therefore, you will look in David's life. David was defeated only by himself. David was never defeated by his enemies. Mm. The three times he defeated, he defeated himself by taking decisions in the flesh. But David could not be defeated by his enemies because no sorcery would work against him because he was moved and empowered by the Spirit of God. So these are the only two sources of power for people in authority. And that's what God is talking about. That's how it works. So when we pray against wicked rulers, what we do is we cut their pipeline off. And we do it continuously. We do it continuously, Lord, that the power of sorcery be broken. But don't get into battles which God hasn't called you. We get into battles. There are so much happening everywhere. I don't get into all that. It's not my my business. I get into the battles where God has called me. Get into this and handle this. And this is how you handle it. And we keep fighting it. We'll keep fighting it. Remember, for every Elijah, there are 850 others. So even if you kill 50, there are still 800. And more are coming after the schools of prophets of Baal. The prophets of Yahweh, prophets of Baal are also there. And there's so much more people in the school of prophets of Baal. They come out like this worms out of the out of the woodwork. They keep on coming out like factory production line is high over there. 
the prophets of God is very few because it's a rigorous discipline righteousness. of righteousness, of sanctification and prayer and discipline and fasting. Who wants to go to that school? The other one is full of drugs and sorcery and women and section, pleasure and everything. Everybody wants to join there. And power and authority and money. And then hell. That they don't tell you. The last part of their, this thing they will not. And ultimately you will go to hellfire, they won't tell you. There they change a little story. They say, you know what? Like Jesus, you also will be an ascended master. Jesus, Buddha, all are ascended masters. And you know what? They, they give them drugs and they go into trances. And in the trances, the demons appear as all these people and they show them, see, these are all ascended masters. That's what drugs do. Drugs is an Open opening up, up to the up, other up, realm. There's always usual ancient times. And the devil comes and he comes as one demon comes as Jesus. Another one comes as Buddha. Another comes, see, these are all ascended masters. And you two are one of them. Finished. Now they say it's okay. We are all part of it. Then they hear people like us, they get mad. But they know it is true. Yes, Pastor, yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, so, I think question number seven, I'm going to cut off the names. You can possibly yeah. read it. <laughs> Same question. <laughs> yeah. We need not, we need God to intervene. Why is God not moving this mountain? We pray, we fast, we are sinners, we fall short daily. Like the person deceived Eve, this person is being deceived. Is it wrong to say dash and dash and dash and dash should drop dead? <laughs> They're taking the whole world down with them, not only us. Killing babies, garbage about gender and transgender. Why do we have to suffer these idiots? Okay. We don't pray for people to die. I mean, we don't do that, but we fight the spiritual. Like, you know, like what we say is, like what, like the way we pray. There are special places of sorcery. So what we pray is that fire will fall there. And if they happen to be there, they die. <laughs> they shouldn't be there. We pray for the judgment of God to fall upon sorcerers and sorcery. That's what like this is actually connected with the previous question's answer. What we do is that we cut off their power line. That's what we do. And it will take intense. It won't be enough for two or three, four people praying. God has to raise up an army of intercessors who know how to pray. Who know how to pray and what to pray for. And this is not known to so many people. What to pray for. Even the big, big, big pastors who are Pentecostals and all, they don't, you will never hear anybody say this in public other than just a few of us. Nobody says it. One, they are scared. Second, they all have dipped and dabbed in this before they became pastors. So they all are scared. They all are scared. Okay, all that. It is, it is a fact that many of the seminaries in the United States have allowed witches to be, to come and teach, take classes in their yeah, seminaries. In their seminaries. seminaries yeah. saying that they should know the alternate view. Yeah. And this is Lutheran seminaries in the United yeah. States. But they all have gone down the road. Yeah. You see what, what will happen is I'll tell you exactly what happens because people will say about it, okay? Let us say, let us say in my case, let us say, okay, I'm 56. Let us say I went to Oxford to do my PhD. And in Oxford, when I was doing my PhD or master's or something, there are all these fraternities, okay, where they invite you and say, come. But it is a Freemason lodge. 
looks great. They're called, like today, they're called landmark and all, chassis, everything, boys, girls, drinking, this thing. So thank God I never went for anything like that ever in my life. God just hid me in the desert, in the wilderness. But imagine you went there and you got into this occult thing. What happens is you have an altar inside, mm. an, an altar personality inside. Imagine you come from a Christian home, but you have an altar personality inside, one altar personality inside. Okay, which is created during these sessions that took place over there because they were sorcerers sitting over there always looking into high institutions because when they look at high institutions, Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, this big Princeton, all these places, they know we cast them. These are the ones who will go up in the ladder. We cast them now, one day we can use them. They are like talent hunters. You know, sports talent hunters, these guys are always, they don't go to small, uh, no, Ram Babu school of commerce. They don't go to those places and all. They go to all these big places and they are watching, watching, getting people, young boys and young girls all into this and they get, and you know what? They create altars, A-L-T-R, altar personalities, which they control. It can drive. It's like sleeper cells. You know, China has sleeper cells in America. They can remain hidden there for years and years and years and actually merge into the situation. But they are loyal to the Communist Party. And when they want to activate them, they can activate them. And the entire system is controlled using alter personalities. And there are so many big, big men of God who have personalities which are hidden. Hidden. The problem is, okay, now let me tell you, I know I am public, my understanding of the situation in this. There is a big man. He's died. His name is gone to the garbage bin. He was one of the most well-known preachers and it is sad, it is terrible what happened and all that. But I will tell you my understanding of what happened. He studied in Oxford or Cambridge or something. He went as a lecturer actually. Yeah, he went there. And at that point, he went to one of these meetings once or twice or anything and there was an altar. There was an altar created. He walked clean all his life, but he used to go for massage. When the hands were put on him, that altar came out and did those abominable things. It is not him. It is his altar. And he had no control over it at all. Otherwise, a man with his conscience and with his righteousness would always have self-control. You know why he couldn't ever control it? It was not him. Just the older personality that came in the exact kind of setting. So that kind of, it's a fleshly, sensual, carnal setting. The altar came out. That's why I feel sorry for him. How do I know? Because I've met people like that. And one thing alone when they came to confess me, they would confess every sin they have committed, including fornication, adultery, sodomy, everything. One thing they will always fear to tell me. You know what is that? They were part of the Lord. And that one thing they kept from me took them down. If they had told me that thing, some of them are dying literally in their deathbeds now. That one thing they had told me, they would have been free. Hmm. But that one thing is what they are afraid to do. Afraid of. Because this is how they mess up everybody. And because it's a matter of great shame and fear. That's how they control. That's how they control. And that's where we have to come out and be open about it or meet somebody who can help you through this process so that the altar is integrated and then you never go through that again. But people do not know how to integrate altars. 
integrate authors. And this is what happens in, and that's why America has gone down and the world has gone down and gone down. And it's a reality. And they get mad at saying, how do you know so much? I mean, I got letters from these guys from the Lord saying, how does he know so much things? He's never part of us. They know who is part, who is not part of them. He's never been part of us. How does he know so much about our doctrine? How does he know so much about how you do? How did I do? I learned it. I learned it. I learned it. I know how they do it. And, how they, and this is what has happened to them. I'm not, that's why I'm not mentioning his name. But you need to realize that so many of them are compromised. So when these agendas come out like this, which was the voice always in America who spoke against unrighteousness? The pulpit. The pulpit was compromised. Because many, many, many of them sitting over there are scared even to speak because, you know, inside there is an altar they cannot handle. And if they try to go too much out, they will get that altar out and humiliate you in public. Expose you. So they are afraid. Because it is not like David committed sin with Bathsheba. He repented and he restored. This is not that. It is not that you can even repent of it. If you repent, the altar is not going to go away. (laughs) The altar is still over there and the altar is not repenting at all. The only way out for you is the altar has to be ALTR. The altar has to be integrated with your core and the altar disappears completely so your masters will never be able to pull that one out. But most people don't know how to do that. So your repentance is not going to help. This is one of the most devious strategies of the devil in the last days with which he has hooked the world. He controls the world. So repenting is not going to help. But it's still not going to help him. It's not going to help him. Because it will come out. It will come out. And it is not him. That's why I feel sorry for him. It's not him. He's not the kind of guy who is flipping day and the master by day and master this thing by night. No, he's not that. He was a righteous man who preached the word, the authentic word of God. But there was an issue in his life. And how do I know it? Because I see those patterns and I see he's got the same pattern. And that's how it happened. And it's heartbreaking for the wife and the daughter. You know, it's heartbreaking. Especially for the daughter. More than the wife. Because it's not possible the wife did not know. As far as my understanding. Because the altars pop out. And the wife would have known. The daughter may not have known. But the wife would have known. Okay. So these things are there. I may be wrong. But from what I understand of my experience with these characters, this is how it happens. And it is sad. First, God will first Peter chapter 4 actually alludes to this. Uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, he, he says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same mind, for he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And then he says, it was, you sp- spent sufficient time, verse 3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, Drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Is this what? Is it yeah, really? but uh, see, these alter personalities. Is it because they invite them? See, no. It, see, this this is different. What happened in those days is the demonic got in. Okay, the demonic. Ah. This is not demon possession. This is this splitting is, of the altar. This is the splitting of your soul. A personality is created which is absolutely flesh, and you can have demons dwelling in that personality when the rest of the person is clean. Are you getting it? Mm. Let us say you have an injury on your finger and it is what is 
what do you call it? Not septic. Yeah, it is septic. septic yeah. yeah, it is septic. The rest of your body is fine. But if you're wearing gloves, nobody sees your finger. Hmm. Right? It is something like that. This is not... See, demonic can be handled. Demonic can be... That's why it's easier to deal with a Indian who is demon-possessed than with somebody from US who's got altar personalities. The other one is easy. Get out in Jesus' name. It's gone. You may have to fast pray if the person is willing. It's scheduled. But once the altar personality comes, it is not easy. First, the altar doesn't even come out. Doesn't even come out. The minute they know you, who you are, they will not come out. They will not come out. And you cannot forcibly bring that fellow out. Demons can be commanded. Altar personalities cannot command it because altar personalities have a will. It's a part of you. It's a part of you. It has a will. So it can choose not to come out. The only way you can come out is if you know their code. If you know their name, which is given when they were programmed, if you know their name and if you know their code, you can call them out and you can break them. But if you do not know, it's very difficult unless God shows you. Shows you. And Lord, a pastor struggle. They shout and scream and do everything, <laughs> casting out demons. Nothing happens. It happened to me the first time. Because the older personality kept on telling me, I'm not a demon, I'm not a demon, I'm not a demon. I said, shut up in the name of Jesus, I'm not a demon. Then finally realized, after some time, okay, this is true, this is not a demon. It's not a demon. Hmm. There's an altar. There's an altar personality. That's when I started studying on it, learning about it, and found it is true. And then I found, okay, there are so many altars can be in a person, used for different purposes. That's how they control the whole system. Why do you think Trump's four-year presidency, they could oppose him at every level? FBI did nothing. Justice Department did nothing. Nobody is doing anything. You know why? They're all controlled. They're all controlled. They're more afraid of what will happen to them if they side with him than they're afraid of anybody else. They control the whole system. The only ones, they're not even worried about the church. The church, they're not even worried about it. They're not worried about it. The church has been compromised. So this has to be a real, real spiritual battle at the end. When people, when I talk about it, people say, you must be crazy. You must be this thing. You must be part of the, you must have been part of the Lord. I'm telling you, if you're part of the Lord, you will never fight the Lord. You would be too terrified to fight the Lord. You would Mm. never dare to fight the Lord. You will never. Nobody who was part of the Lord will fight the Lord. You'll keep quiet about it. But the Biggest pastors in U.S., as far as I know, one of the largest pastors, he's one of the ones who has openly said he was part of it and he has come out. I don't trust him. Rick Warren. He was part of the Lord. He was part of the Lord. That's why I don't trust any one of them. Don't trust any. I don't know. I'm not judging even them, but I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't know where you are from. I don't know what your background is. It's it's very interesting. In one of those teachings that we've heard from you, you were saying, uh, if you observe anybody for 24 hours consistently, mm-hmm. you, these these people just can't even come and stay with you for 24 hours, and and you they'll just pop out because they'll start manifesting. They will start. They will start manifesting. And who are part of you? Who, who, who gets are, who, who, are who gets their power from there? They will start manifesting, <clears throat> and especially during. You really, really want to know all the pastors in America who is who is not. Get them all into one hall on a full moon night. <laughs> and start praying. On a full moon. That's the ritual night. Full moon night. 
and start praying. Then you will know who is who and what is what. Now, even in this press, President Trump's this thing, there were so many prophetic voices who are speaking four more years, four more years, four more. And honestly, for me, most of these prophetic voices are new. I never knew them. I heard them. I like them. Some of them are nice. Some of them are kind of skeptic. But there is one among them, one of the leaders, not mentioning, I won't trust him as far as I can throw him. And that was what created me all this confusion about these prophecies is because one of them, big one, one of the big ones, is part of the circle. And therefore, I refused to align myself with them in any way. I stayed out of it. And I'll say, I'll stand my own course. Though they all sound good, they're all using scripture, their prayers are very nice, they are very this thing, but one among them, I don't trust them, trust him. I know he is from the circle. So that's why it's so much. And I feel sorry for President Trump because he's a man who came from the world, the church, he stood for the church, and he was surrounded by people from the church and he didn't know who is who and who is what. And the people who surrounded him, half of them were from the circle and half of them were straight. And he did not even know that. And I couldn't even, we couldn't even warn him about these things. So everywhere the devil will set you up. That is why I said you need the Spirit of God and never ever even step into any of these places. Stay away. Stay away. It is dangerous. And this one, one of the way, one of the way I'm looking at it is this. You see, whenever I see a big name and they have a huge following, okay, have millions of subscribers and lots of people following the channels or what have you. Um, it's quite interesting that whenever you have uh, some people like that, it's quite possible that they were on the other side. And not necessarily. No, not I understand, but yeah. but but mm-hmm. by, because Scripture says, "Word to you, if people always talk good things no, about you, people can talk good about because Bible also says anybody who is picked as an elder should have a, ah, good, that, reputation. a good reputation." Like I'm talking <laughs> about, like one person, I can look at him. Uh, and no, he's not part of the circle. Is what is his name? MacArthur, John MacArthur. Okay, he may not be a Pentecostal, but I know he's not part of the circle, and he's got a huge following and a ba- large church. I know he's not part of it. You can make out he's not part of it. Okay, he's not part of it, and he's got a huge following and a big church. Okay, so another one I could—I mean, I may be wrong, but I could be absolutely sure—is Paul Washer. Mm, yeah, Washer. In- interesting. They are not Pentecostals. Yeah. Okay, but a lot yeah. of Baptists are, a lot of Baptists are, and they were all wonderfully manifesting during this season. Okay, so I'm not, I mean, every denomination, they have infiltrated into every denomination. But what I'm saying is that, uh, Paul Washer, Paul, you can have a huge following and not be part of it, or you can have a huge following and be part of it. So we do not look at that as a criteria, we look at them and look at what they teach. And look at how they have consistently stood there without wavering, without wavering, and look at their eyes. Mm. Look at their eyes. Look at their eyes. Watch their eyes when they preach. Watch, watch them. You can always sense it. Mm-hmm. You can always, because eyes are the windows, windows of your soul. soul. Yeah. Watch their eyes. It's people who have 
alter personalities, their eyes shift. You know, if you have an alter personality, an alter could look through your own eyes and suddenly you will see the eyes change and it is another personality looking through that same eyes. So watch their eyes. You have to learn to watch their eyes and know it's not that same person. It is another person that is looking. They will keep their mouth very shut, very tight. They will not speak because the voice changes. But watch their eyes. Voice changes. Voice is not the same. Voice changes. But watch their eyes. Watch their eyes. Because they are tormented souls. By the way, if they are actual believers, they are tormented. The core could day and night because of the split they go through. The other fellows who are on the other side, their torment is different. That's a demonic torment. This is the torment of the conscience. That's why one of the persons said about the other man who passed away that he was fighting his own demons. Who do you go to? You're too big to fall. <laughs> I look at this thing and I feel, I feel sorry for him. He's too big. And he must be thinking, you know what? If I go public, what happens to all the people who listen to me? They'll all fall. So many will fall away. So he fought it and God allowed him to go. We thought, no, you have to look at all that. God at the end of the day looks at it, okay. Could a God have integrated it? Yes. But does he do those things, overriding our free will and our choices and all? He doesn't. Then he can do so many things. He doesn't do those things. So these are facts of life. You look at it and... Pastor, I think we should stop here. We shall stop there. Yeah. Because this is a lot of people who are hearing will be shocked. Yeah, what is this? We have never heard. <laughs> people will write to me after that, well, Uncle, Uncle, what is this circle? I said, don't worry. What you learn in geometry, stick to that. <laughs> you don't need to know everything. But there are people who need to hear this and they need help. And uh, God is there to help them through. So we don't pray for anybody to die. We pray for Fire to fall on the covens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you want electricity to go permanently, what do you do? Blow up Ramgunda. Amen. Amen. That's what you do. So you don't go after individuals. You Amen. just destroy their generators. That is where this happens. Mm. That is where it happens. It cannot happen everywhere. There are places, specific places where this happens, where the demons have to be given what they ask. All kind of things take place, sacrifices, blood, Jesus all these things take place. So you have to shut these places down. And how do you do it? By fire. Pastor, one of the things I always have is, why did God hide it from the church for such a long time? And he has revealed it only right, It was house. not hidden. People knew it. It's been there for hundreds of years. But now it has become mainline. That is what, now it has become accepted. Everybody knows. In US, they are not even bothered. Witches and wizards, they all know it is. They are not even bothered about it. The, the nation has slid down like Judah and all slid down. They are not bothered. So what does it happen? God has to break, has to go through this season for brokenness to come. And it comes through economic brokenness first. First, hunger is a eye-opener. No? When your stomach starts hitting Burning your uh, backbone, Touching your backbone, suddenly you will start realizing repentance will come. So that's what God allowed them to go into captivity. And then he got a remnant back and he brought them back. No, so this is God's way of doing things. Then when the final day, it will be all over. So we shall pray. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. It was not because of anything. 
us, your mercy upon our hands. We also went to these institutions, but you protected us, Lord. You kept us away from all these places, Lord. You protected us, otherwise we would also have slipped, we would also have compromised, we would also have known the truth and never spoken about it. You would have been afraid. But you love them too. And you want them too to come out, to be saved, to be integrated, so that they can be made whole. If only they would come to you and fall at your feet. Like that one leper who came back. Nine were healed. One was made whole. There's so many, Lord, who need both healing from their brokenness, broken altars, and they may need to be made whole. For you said in your word, you heal the brokenhearted, the souls that are split, the trauma they go through every day, tormented day and night. They may be sitting in high places, they may have all the money, but they are tasting hell every day, tormented every day. Lord. Living in fear every day. Mm. I pray, Father, they too would cry out. You would save them. All they have to do is cry out, Jesus, help me. And you would start moving to bring them out. I've seen it over and over again, oh Lord. When an altar was finally made to say, Jesus, help me. Integration took place so fast. Three words. Touch, Lord, people who are hearing. Maybe some of them are hearing now. and They've been struggling. And I pray, Lord, you'll set them free. For you came to set the captives free. And these are the worst of captives. Come in the church into their hands. Everywhere. And our church here. Pray the hand of God will rest upon your people. Tomorrow as we gather in your house, pray, Spirit of God, you will be there with us. Anoint us, Lord. Jesus, for every work that Jesus, we have to do, anoint Jesus, us. Jesus, for only the anointing can, can break the yoke. Yes, Lord. Yes. And keep us hidden, Lord. We don't want to be known. Amen. We just want you to be known. Yes, we don't Lord. want fame. Yes, Lord. We don't want anything before your time. When your time comes, if you reveal us, we know we are protected. Hide us. Hide us, Lord. We just want the word of God to go forth and captives be set free. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I speak your peace <clears throat> to every heart that is listening. May your peace guard their heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.